welcome to another episode here at Supernatural Confessions Podcast, where it is a safe place for you to confess all your experiences, be it supernatural, myths, urban legends, superstitions, or even the unknowns. And as a team, we'll compile and feature your confessions on our platforms. You may reach out to us through our Facebook page or website. You just need to search supernaturalconfessions.com And you are also invited to join us every Friday night on our Facebook Live where Eugene, the founder of Supernatural Confessions, Sonia Kurana, occasionally Joe Dakota, and I host a weekly live show discussing all about the supernatural. I'm Kim your host for this podcast series and now let's get on to the confessions is anyone here what did you find you are listening to supernatural confessions Supernatural beings can come in a lot of forms. It can appear as, as a form of a lady. Maybe sometimes you see it in a form of a creature. But in this next confession told by Hyatt Porter, it is a form of a child. And the second part of the story, it is just in the form of a pair of hands. But whether it is related or not, we'll let you decide. Unknown boy in my room and hand incidents by Hyatt Potter. Now this is the first incident. My uncle runs an orphanage, so I often visit after church and am allowed to take home a book or two when people donate stuff. On this particular Sunday, I was so happy because there was a Goosebumps book. I found it among the donated items that glowed in the dark. I also saw another Chinese decor item that had long red tassels. It's meant to be hung. I liked it, so I took both of those things home with me. I went home around late afternoon, and usually that is my, my time for nap. I had my own little small room and slept with a stand fan. I lay on my bed and eventually drifted off to sleep. I woke up in a sweat. Why is it so hot? I sat up from my bed and turned to look at the fan. In front of the fan stood a child, a kid facing the fan, fanning himself with both his hands. Wow, so breezy, so breezy. Me being a young explosive kid, took one look at the child, got off my bed, stomped angrily out to complain to my mom. Ma, why are you so simple, ah? Let a boy in my room. I am a girl. My mom looked at me puzzled and was like, Who? I said, Your friend Sanla, he's in my room. Then I realized nobody else was in the living room except for my mom. So I quietly sat on the sofa, realizing that I might have seen something that wasn't there. My mom bravely went into the room. She didn't see anything. She didn't find anything. She came back out to ask me if I brought anything home. I told her about the book and the Chinese thing, which I hung on my cupboard door handle. She took both items and went out the house. I think I just sat in the same spot quietly until she came back. She told me 
don't simply bring things home anymore. But you know what? I still brought books home because nothing can come between my love for reading. I slept with my mum for three months after that. I asked her what she did about the items. She said she just threw them away and said some words. All I can recall was this kid was probably around seven or eight years old, back towards me, his hair moving in the breeze. My mom told me the fan was not turned on when she went in to check. I don't know if I dreamt the whole thing, to be honest. Now this is the second incident and it took place in the same house. One fine evening, my elder sister and I were walking back to our home from the elevator in our apartment. We were walking along the corridor. We can see our gate from the side. As we were approaching, probably 10 meters away, we noticed that someone had just come home because someone just locked the padlock from the inside as we can see their hands. We were talking to each other, my sister and I, until we reached the gate. We noticed that the inside wooden door was closed when something weird happened because they would have just reached. It took us barely any time to reach the gate from when we last saw them. We both exchanged looks and opened the gate and the door. My brother was on his computer, shirtless, and our mom was lying down watching TV in her pajamas. Nothing indicated that they just came back. My sister and I exchanged looks again because we both saw what we both saw at the same time. I asked, who just reached home? My mum just stared at me and said, no one, why? Me and my sis just kept quiet and went to our room. I still remember what we both saw, a hand coming out from inside of our house gate to touch the padlock and then the hand went back in. We could only see the profile but that hand we saw was as clear as day. And since we both saw it, it can't just be me seeing things. Could it? You are listening to Supernatural Confessions. If you have your own confessions to share, Reach out to us on our Facebook or website, Supernatural Confessions. Remember, you are not alone. So what do you guys think about the confession from Hyatt Porter? As a boy comes with the item that she collected from the uncle's orphanage, or it just happened to be something that just passed by? And what about the hand locking the padlock? Is it something related? Confession earlier on by Hyatt Porter was voiced by Sonia Kurana. And next one, we look for a similar story. And the next confession comes from David Gay, posted in our SC private group on Facebook. And this happened when he was studying in Kel. I would often take the express bus back to Penang on weekends or whenever there was a public holiday or semester break. So this is a story from David Gay. On one of these bus rides, I remember seeing one such kid. The bus had 36 seats. It was one of those super VIP buses, as they would call it, 
because the seat configuration was one seat on the left and two seats side by side on the right per row and had like 12 rows of seats in the bus. The bus wasn't packed when it left the terminal in KL. Only about 20 or so passengers, including me. There were all adults that day, no children. As it was a night trip around 12 midnight, I fell asleep almost immediately after boarding. I was seated in a single seat somewhere in the middle of the bus. The whole journey took around 7 or 8 hours by bus even though you can make the journey in 4 to 5 if you were driving on your own. About 2 to 3 hours into the journey, I was fast asleep. I have always been known to snore loudly when I sleep due to my sleep apnea and this had caused many embarrassment to me when I was taking these bus rides even at the age of 19 or 20 years old when I was studying in the capital city. I can't remember how it happened exactly but I remember deep in slumber when I suddenly opened my eyes and even though my vision was a little bit blurry because I didn't have my spectacles on but I clearly saw a little kid standing on the aisle right in front of me. Even with my blurry vision, I could see that the kid had an angry expression on his face and he was pointing at me as if he was trying to scold me. I'm not sure whether the snoring part has anything to do with this. Being used to see entities and spirits for the last 9 or 10 years, especially on the road while travelling and due to the fact that I was that tired, I decided to turn my body to the side facing the bus window and ignore the kid apparition. I admit, it did freak me out a little bit because I could swear there were no kids on board the bus. I continued to sleep, or at least pretended to do so while the kid and Titi could leave me alone. 15 minutes later, I opened my eyes slightly. I turned around to see if he's still there, and he is! standing right there and didn't move an inch, still with his fingers pointing at me. Now I was really freaked out. 20 odd people on the bus and no one had noticed there was a kid standing right in the middle of the bus aisle staring at me. So I turned around again facing the window and tried my best to sleep, which eventually I did. Soundly until I reached Pulau Pinang the next morning at 8am, which by then, the kid is no more longer there. You are listening to Supernatural Confessions. Whatever you don't see doesn't mean it is not there. For those loyal readers in our Facebook group, this name is a familiar name. So here is Sophia Sulaiman telling us her story in audio form entitled Legendary Sate Seller. The Legendary Sate Seller. There was a Javanese man who rented a house situated at the far end of the kampung I lived in before. Being the only Malay family at that time, Dad readily welcomed this small family of four with open arms. They became friends in no time. Watman, as he was called, made a living paddling sate all around Kampong 
from early evening till about 9 or 10 p.m. Now, before I continue, let me give a brief rundown of my kampong. My kampong is situated at Jalan Mat Jambul. My kampong is also separated by a river. We call it Mat Hitam River to another kampong called Lorong Abu Kasim. That's a wooden bridge linking both our kampongs. My family had been at the kampong before my birth in 1966. One thing I noticed growing up was that there were trees, many, many trees everywhere around my house and kampong. So you can imagine how scary it was at night. I was nine when this incident happened. We were having dinner about 7.45 p.m. when we heard Wakman familiar voice paddling his satay. Our small woodpecker clock chimed signaling 11 p.m. Most, if not all, of my siblings were asleep. I was, as always, deep in my novel, not sleeping till I've read at least 10 chapters. My dad, sitting at our makeshift porch, was enjoying his kopi. All of a sudden, we were awoken from a loud voice screaming frantically for help. I reached the front door in minutes. Mom stopped me abruptly. No, stay inside she said quietly. I peeped through a tiny opening, straining hard to see. I saw what man running and screaming reached dads and then fainted. Dad stood up, his head turned, looking at something. I can't see what it was from my side, but I heard of my dad shouted at whatever the thing was in a mix of anger and furious. Berambus kau syaitan kalau tidak aku bakar engkau. Get lost, Satan, or I'll burn you, that voice boomed loudly. The laughter that followed sent chills to my bones. I saw that lips moved. He's reciting something and hurled his forefinger towards the thing. Loud scream was heard, continued for almost a minute, then died down suddenly. I heard Dad call out to Mom to help him. My brother came out to help Dad carry Wakman inside. Dad tended to him and eventually he came around. Dad sent my eldest brother to inform Wakman family that he will be at our place and only will be returning in the morning. I was seated to, next to Dad when he asked Wakman to relate what had happened. Watman was selling satay as per normal, going around our kampong and gotten sales. Realizing that he still have many satays left, he decided to cross the wooden bridge and try his luck at our neighboring kampong. He was not able to sell much there too. He was about to head for home when a voice called out to him behind. Watman, Watman. A lady in flowery baju kurung was beckoning him to wait. Watman stopped and started setting up his satay stall quickly. The lady came towards him and sat on a stool provided. She shifted the stool sitting a distance from the roasting area. I want 100 steaks, doesn't matter chicken or beef, she said. Watman wanted to roast the satay over a glowing amber when she stopped him. No, it's okay. Give it to me, with a small smile. 
But it's not cooked. Wakman exclaimed. It's okay. I'm used to eating raw meat. It's healthy, you know, she said. Still have? She asked bluntly minutes later. Uh, another 50 or 60 sticks left, I think. Wakman replied. Okay, I take that too. Sit up. Wakman placed the last remaining satays on a plate. Just my luck, Wakman muttered in heart softly. Mad woman, this one. It was this moment that Wakman saw the way she ate. Right before his eyes, the satay goes shroop, then disappeared in her mouth. Wakman stood up slowly, bits of sweat forming on his forehead. He walked slightly to the side. What he saw shocked him greatly. Whatever she ate, it came right out through a gaping hole on her back. Oh my God! Wakman stammered. The lady turned her head slowly, facing Wakman, bits of satay dripping on her chin. Her face gradually transformed, ugly, deformed, and bloodied mouth, a sheer horror for one to see. Wakman yelled in fright, lifted up his tool and threw at the thing and ran for his life. The thing must have been shocked too when hit by the stool that it was moments before Wakman heard her shrieking close behind. Wakman prayed in his heart that my dad was outside drinking his coffee as he always does. Well, his prayers were answered. And what do you think Watman see? Sundel Bolong. To our fellow listeners that are not sure about the name Sundal Bolong, here is an information that we gathered about this particular entity. This entity that was described to look very closely to the Pontiana or Langsoye, she too wears a long gown and has long black hair. The only difference is she has a huge hole on her back around waist area and her inner parts would be visible from this hole. She is believed to be a vengeful soul that comes back to haunt men, for she was raped and killed. The hole behind her, that is how she gives birth to the kid in her grave, and that is how she got her name. Sundal in Malay, or Sundel in Indonesia, means beachy, or a whore, and bolong means hole. In folklore, she was mentioned to kidnap newborn, also walks the empty streets at night to lure men with her beauty. And once they are alone, men will see her actual face and the hole on her body too, before being murdered. If you question about the kid in her grave, there was also writing that we found mentioning that the kid became a toyol. As for the rational part, it was believed that this entity is a part of a myth created so that the young women would not roam the streets at night for they might have the same story as this entity and also so that the young men would not simply approach any women that they encounter on the streets late at night. Do you have a story related to Sundal Bolong to share with us? the content here on the podcast, you are also invited to join Eugene and Kim 
at Supernatural Confessions Facebook page every Friday 10pm Malaysia and Singapore time where they will discuss, dissect and go deeper in details on your confession and I'll be waiting for you there. Something in my classroom by H. I'm currently a college student in a certain part of Kuching, Sarawak. Although I tend to be a reserved person, I often keep an open mind towards the possibilities in my surroundings. For this story, I would deem it supernatural, but at the same time, I doubted the authenticity of what I had experienced, given that I have a good imagination. Although I still entertain some doubts as to whether this was a supernatural encounter due in part to my scientific mind. So, the story goes like this. Most of my classes are conducted at night, and the lecture room that night was at the corner of the entire block. To get to that lecture room, I would usually walk in a long corridor, just like the corridors that you see in hotels. Now this walkway was narrow and rather dark. The lecture room I was walking to could be reached by walking up an adjoining stairway that was partially blocked, decrepit, and always poorly lit. During the night, the lecturer began talking about certain weird and creepy stuff that had been going on around the college, and several of my classmates began listening attentively and asking questions. I can't tell you what was exactly going on, as I only heard pieces of the discussion and was not paying full attention to the conversation going on between them anyways. Once class finished, most students usually rushed out of the classroom, while me, being the studious one, would often be the last to leave. It was also my job to assist the lecturer to close up and switch the lights off at the end of the night. When I leave, I would usually turn off the lights and then look back to ensure that everything was neat and in order. It became a sort of a routine or habit of mine to do this. Now on the night in question, for some reason, I lingered after switching the lights off and stared into the dark classroom trying to pierce the gloom with my eyes. As I peered into the very back of the classroom where a large stack of chairs was situated, I saw what appeared to be a humanoid-shaped black mass just sitting in one of the chairs. It was just sitting there, as still as the night enveloping it. It may have been a trick of the low light, but I thought that the interior of the black mass was moving and whirling just like incense smoke. That was enough for me. I ran out, slamming the lecture room door with a huge bang. I felt a visceral, primal, gut-wrenching fear as I shot through the holes like a bullet. I do not normally run, but this was not a normal experience. I ran through the small hallway and in a burst of speed, immediately charged down the main stairs like some kind of expert parkour artist. Breathless, I eventually caught up with my lecturer and a classmate where I related them my story and quite possibly spooked the hell out of them as well. I said my goodbyes and dashed to my car. Once inside, I put my foot to the throttle and drove back home nearly at full speed. When I was inside, I immediately ensured I was clean, both literally and metaphorically, since I am someone of a religious person. 
I will wash my limbs thoroughly in the shower for some time. Then afterwards, quickly putting on my headphones in an attempt to drown out the stinging thoughts of whatever I had just glimpsed. Religious hymns blaring from my headphones, I also retired some verses from the Bible. I was still baffled, confused as to what I had just seen, and my mind was in a bad state that night. Now, as I reflect back on that night's encounter, I wonder. Might I have been hallucinating? Could it have been my stressed imaginative mind that made me see the figure? Could the stories of the haunted staircase next to the classroom have contributed to my imagination? Or did I really see a black humanoid mass at the back of the classroom that night? One thing's for certain. I know what I saw. Ever since that night, I started having more religious items around me like a Bible, and even tied a cross to my pencil case whenever I was at the college. Just in case, I see that ominous black mass sitting at the end of the classroom again, watching me from the darkness. You are listening to Supernatural Confessions. If you have your own confessions to share, reach out to us on our Facebook or website, Supernatural Confessions. Remember, you are not alone. That confession came from H, and it happens in one of the school in Kuching, Sarawak. And thank you very much, Joe, for voicing that confession. Since that confession came from a school, so here is another confession entitled Haunting in School. And this one, it's written by Leslie Tan. It happened in the 80s when I was in secondary 3. It was during school holiday when my ECA, now known as CCA, was basketball. We had this barbecue session held in school compound at night and we had to stay overnight in school. As usual, the training was rigorous as our senior was named the Beast for his demanding and no-nonsense style. After the training, we relaxed ourselves and feasted on the barbecue meat. So this classmate of mine, A, suggested to go catch couple making out in the school. He asked me and two others, let's name them B and C, to join him. We had nothing much to do, so we decided to go along. The night was still young, even though it should have been past midnight by then. Back then, in the 80s, I had never seen security posts near the entrance or the exit of the school. Meaning to say, vehicles could simply come in, travel quite a distance and leave the school from the other exit. My school back then was really big, and still is. Sometimes, during curriculum time, I could see residents who lived behind our school walk to our school canteen, turn right and go inside a small forested area and to their respective abodes. Right now, and has been so far, I believe many years, it has been out of bound to those residents unlike 30 to 40 years ago. This explains why some of us knew that there were lovers or couples who drove into our school at night to do their business. 
They would park their cars quite near to the exit or sometimes they brought their sheets and items to do it somewhere on the grass near the slop sheltered walkway. Mind you, those place in the open was not lit at night during my time. You could only rely on moon to reflect lights from the sun to see your own fingers. My school was a favourite hotspot for couples then. So we made our ways from our ECA areas in the west side of our school, where the athletics, gymnastic, volleyball and basketball groups are housed to our destination, either in the middle or the east side wherever we can find one. It should be approximately 250 to 350 meters away. I remember it was pitch dark and we brought along torches. Well, was no handphone with torchlight back then, right? When we reached the clock tower where it was rumoured to have entities, I could sense cool breeze of air blowing behind me. We walked gingerly there. Nonetheless, it didn't faze me a single bit as the excitement to us, the warm-blooded adolescents, should quell such fear and uneasiness. As we inched further, we then noticed a white car parked near the two-storey row of building where secondary two classes were, about 20 to 30 metres away, and I felt luck was on our side that we could find one. There were a few trees nearby. We positioned ourselves by hiding behind one of the trees. A and C went closer to the car by hiding behind another tree. I was with B behind another tree. Yes, the car was shaking up and down. You should know what I mean by now. Then, I don't know who, it is either A or C shone the torchlight on the car. The car then stopped shaking, but I could see the torchlight shining on the man's face. He stopped what he was doing at the back seat and looked as though glaring at the direction of the beaming torchlight. I never thought of making a hasty retreat as, after all, even if the car had reversed or had the man gotten out of the car to look for us, he couldn't outrun us. Or he might be totally naked and preferred to stay inside. Before I could think of any aftermath, C let out a big scream, RUN! We blindly followed him and didn't know why he screamed. In darkness, if one flee in panic, you just have to follow. We ran back to our basketball court. It was like 300 350 meters sprint back to our base. Still gasping for air when we touched down the basketball court, we asked C if the man had come out of his car and why the need to run in haste. C said, No. Why are you so kanchong? Run for what? Didn't get to see the girl inside. A jokingly said. Then I said, Walao, don't know who go and shine the light. It must be you or C la. Which A answered, Not me ho. C then said, I also. B said, Don't know whose idea in the first place to do this. Obviously, pointing his blame on A. Can't be B also. He was with me and he was the most timid among the four of us. C then said, Just now, I saw something. It's not a man. I saw two white shadowy figures when the light was shone. The two figures just came out of the car. So I shout, Run! I was really scared. There was then a complete silence. I remember I couldn't sleep much that night, fretting that the white figures might look for us, even though I didn't see anything. Subsequent to that, did I come to know C could occasionally see those entities. 
he revealed to us much later. As far as I'm concerned, the creepier part is not the reported and rumoured part in the centre of the school, but at the place where C saw the entities, which is on the left. Today, there are new buildings on the left section of the school. Anyway, the story I relate now happened some 30 to 40 years ago. I believe most of the schools are haunted. They are everywhere, and they would most likely appear in the dark, in toilets or lab rooms. You are listening to Supernatural Confessions. If you have your own confessions to share, reach out to us on our Facebook or website, Supernatural Confessions. Remember, you are not alone. I think we can include one more short one for this episode of podcast. And this story, I found it after Leslie mentioned about school's toilet. So here is a confession by Kelly Quick about the female toilet at a school that she used to go to. My secondary school closed down a few years back. What currently stands there is the new school building overtaken by a preschool, nursing home and an urban farm. Now my story happened in the old building before they tore it down for rebuild. So in Kelly's post, she drew a layout of the classroom, stairs and a toilet. So I'm gonna put that image in your head before we continue to the story. So in the drawing, there's a T-shaped corridor. On top of that corridor, classroom number one and number two is next to each other. And on the left side of the corridor, there are stairs. And next to the stairs is the toilet. And next to the toilet, there will be the classroom number three. I hope you can imagine the image in your head. Because for Kelly said that, the layout is important for the story. Okay, to continue, if the toilet lights are not turned on, the only light source will be from the sunlight coming in from the entrance. There are no other windows inside the toilet. When you enter the toilet, there was a slightly bigger than A4 size mirror at eye level on the wall, which is also the wall of the first cubicle. The cubicles face the sinks directly and there were no mirrors above the sink. That day was sec 3 art paper. I was the first one to finish. It was around late morning to noon time, if I remember correctly. So I handed in my paper and went to the toilet to wash my poster colour tray, water and brush holder and brushes at the first sink. The lights were off, but there was enough sunlight coming in for me to make my way around. I was alone in the toilet. Then I left my stuff on the sink and went into the first cubicle to have my business done. So I sat on the throne, relaxed and just stayed vacantly at the spot of sunlight under the cubicle door, not thinking of anything else. Suddenly, there was a huge loud bang on my cubicle door. Like if your friend wanted to prank you, they would bang your door loudly, then run away. That kind of bang. The only thing missing was there were absolutely no footsteps, no giggling, no moving shadows in the stream of light coming in from the entrance, 
and no feeling of life at all. By feeling of life, I mean like even if you can't see, you can feel a source of life coming from the other person, like the warmth or energy radiating from the person, a slight wind current from their movements or the reflex of breathing when you do have a very big action. But there was nothing. I stunned for a few moments, then I thought it could be one of my classmates, so I called out her name. But as expected, there was no reply. So I quickly settled myself, came out from the cubicle, hurriedly washed my hand and grabbed my stuff and exit the toilet. Everyone was still in their own classes doing their art paper. From then on, I only used the toilet if there are other classmates going in with me or during recess time when there are many people inside. come to the end of this episode of Supernatural Confessions. If you have enjoyed this episode, please rate us with a 5-star review on whichever platform you are streaming this podcast on. Go on and tell your friends and family about us. You can find more of our content on YouTube, Facebook and our website. Search for keyword Supernatural Confessions. If you or someone you know have a confession to make, visit supernaturalconfessions.com. You can send it in text, voice memo, or even video format. Let us know if you want your identity to be kept secret. Supernatural Confessions is created by Eugene Tay. Until the next episode, my name is Kim, your host for this podcast series signing off with Whatever you don't see doesn't mean it is not there.